What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clue Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland sports, with my older brother, Chris, as always. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. It's getting a little cold up here in Ohio, even colder after what happened on Saturday to the Buckeyes. My goodness, man. It was not a fun weekend. Not a fun weekend for, for Cleveland and Ohio football in general. At least on the college yeah. and pro level. High school tournament started, so that was fun, but Sure. Other than that. Yeah. You go you go any level higher than high school and it was not fun. Yeah, I mean, uh we, we recorded a little late last week, so Ohio State had about two days on this podcast feeling good, uh, until some, some bad news happened. Um and obviously we we're referring to Iowa's I mean, Chris, can you is can you call this an upset? When they win fifty-five to twenty-four, shocking beatdown of Ohio State uh, on Saturday in Iowa. Chris, uh, what what went wrong during this game? Aside from the standard everything response, um, that that pretty much sums it up. But first off, it, it was an upset uh, because Ohio State was sixth in the nation. Iowa was unranked, even though they're probably one of the better unranked teams out there. And playing in Iowa is not an easy situation. Uh, Just ask Penn State. I I think that was maybe 12, 13 years ago when Penn State was up there kind of challenging to get into that BCS top two with Texas and USC. But then Iowa knocked them off. So this isn't the first time Iowa has wrecked a Big Ten team. but, But this one stings big time because... Well, I think most people in Ohio thought that this might be a trap game, coming off a big win against Penn State, uh, going into Iowa, a formidable foe, a team that certainly has a kind of a chippy rivalry with Ohio State. I don't want to say it's a rivalry, but Iowa definitely looks up to OSU and, and kind of aspires to be on the level of an Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. They're kind of irked that they're an afterthought so this was not going to be an easy game but Bob I don't think anyone in their right mind thought I was laying 55 on the Buckeyes and I certainly don't think anyone in their right mind thought that Ohio State would play like an unranked team against Iowa I mean everything went wrong the defense could not stop Iowa in any phase of the game Uh, they ran those bootlegged play action tight end uh, play actions to the tight end at least a dozen times probably two or three times for touchdowns I got sick of watching the same play and 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 the Ohio State offense just regressed immensely I mean they looked lost out there couldn't get anything done as great as JT Barrett played the week before polar opposite this weekend Bob it was the nightmare scenario for Ohio State Uh, their season came crashing down in, in, in quite a glorious fashion if you're an Iowa fan. Yeah, I mean, JT Barrett coming off the game, his career, very first drive of the game, uh, possibly the first play of the game What was a pick six by him. It, it, was that the first play? Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, after the kickoff, JT Barrett opening play of the game, Iowa returns it to the house for seven points, um, and it didn't get better from there. Uh, he got shown up all day. Uh, at the quarterback position by a career game from Nathan Stanley. Five touchdowns, 20 for 31. Uh, Chris, his last touchdown, uh, Ohio State defensive lineman was wrapped around his ankle, and he still threw uh, a touchdown pass. Uh, 
he just could not be stopped and he shredded Ohio State secondary um, combine that with four interceptions from Barrett uh, everything went wrong and then you you throw in uh, you know embarrassment on on special teams as well all facets of the game just imploded for Ohio State so I mean really shocking uh, Iowa in their two past games against Minnesota and Northwestern scored a combined 27 points and then they dropped 55 points on Ohio State the most an Urban Meyer coach team has ever let up uh, it truly shocking this result I mean an upset wouldn't surprise me because this is on the road as you said after uh, a huge statement game by Ohio State I wouldn't have been shocked if Iowa won on like a last minute field goal or something like that but for Iowa from halfway through the second quarter to the end of the game to just shred Ohio State on all sides of the ball uh, probably the surprise of the year so far Um, truly a, a shocking game yeah, you would think Nathan Stanley was Tom Brady or Peyton Manning out there with the way he was just slinging the ball everywhere. Uh, like you said, five touchdowns, 226 yards. But, Bob, they ran all over Ohio State, too. I mean, they, they ran for 243 yards combined. And if you take away Nathan Stanley's minus three, it was 246 by, by runners. This Ohio State defensive line was supposed to be a big time strength. They were supposed to be deep. They were supposed to be, you know, really good. I didn't see that on Saturday because they got ran all over, and and Nathan Stanley just looked so poised and comfortable in the pocket. Uh, it, it truly was a disaster game for Ohio State. It just there there was there was really nothing you can point to that went right for the Buckeyes. They only generated one sack. They give up over 240 yards of rushing. Uh, Stanley, just no turnovers, five touchdowns. And, and then on the other side, JT Barrett, as you said, barely over 200 yards passing. He rushed for 63 yards, but he threw four interceptions. It, it, it was just a disaster on all all levels for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, uh, a couple plays that got to me, uh, that opening pick six, um, Stanley throwing a touchdown pass with a guy wrapped around his ankle. Josh Jackson's Odell Beckham Jr. imitation, uh, his third interception of the day uh, against Barrett, uh, truly was exactly what uh, Odell Beckham, uh, his infamous catch now, um, it it was a complete reenactment of that. That was surprising. Uh, And then the fake field goal, Chris. Uh, Urban Meyer is known for a lot of things, but he came up as a special teams coach, and, and I've never seen a team that he's coached not outplay the other team on special teams. We saw it against Penn State last week, a block punt that really shifted the momentum towards them. Uh, during his stint in Florida, he was known for getting those big-time special teams plays uh, as he guided them to multiple championships. Uh, but they were on the other side of uh, of a embarrassing, kind of weird field goal formation uh, by the Iowa Hawkeyes. How surprising was it that uh, you know, the game was still within grasp at that point that Ohio State uh, was not was caught with their pants down uh, on that play. Stunning, but that that play is a microcosm of Ohio State special teams this year. They've been a disaster and certainly the worst uh, special teams un- in Urban Meyer's career. I mean, how how can you say anything otherwise? I mean, this is not anything new. Ohio State routinely has made blunders 
on special teams all season long, and this was the biggest one because that was the play that really stuck a fork in them. When they got burnt by that creative fake field goal, and I'm still can't believe that Kirk Ferentz, who's probably one of the most conservative coaches in the history of football, called a fake field goal. Hats off to him. But, but Bob, there's, there's just no reason why Ohio State should have been burnt by that. There, there's no reason. You said it best. Urban Meyer came up as a special teams coach. You know, first off, nobody's more angrier than him for allowing that to happen. But the, the fact of the matter is, Bob, that was the play that just ended the game. And when, when, when they converted that off that fake field goal, uh, I'm like, yeah, it's over. The game is over. Iowa is just on all cylinders, and the Buckeyes don't have it today. And, and it, it, it's terrible because last week we were just on a high. I thought the Ohio State had had broken through and and was ready to become a playoff contender. And, and this week they just went ten steps back. Yeah, just some uh, facts about this game and, and how shocking the margin of victory was. I mean, Iowa's been playing OSU. Uh, going on almost a hundred years now, the high uh, highest amount of points they've scored against OSU is thirty-five. Uh, they've eclipsed thirty only twice in that span. Um, this is the largest margin of victory uh, by far. Um, the fifth most points that Ohio State has given up. Uh, Iowa heading into this game was the 99th ranked offense in in Division One football. Uh, really, just a, a surprising day for the Buckeyes. Now, Chris, I, I do. I'm not gonna. I don't want to go too far and too extreme to this, but this has been a disappointing calendar year for Urban Meyer. If you throw in the the Clemson shutout uh, in the college football playoff, uh, this shocking conference loss to to Iowa when it it seemed like they had ready to rebound uh, from that Oklahoma loss. Uh, how much, how much slack does Urban Meyer have at Ohio State? Is it infinite, or uh, does he need does he need some wins to 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 uh, keep the Sharks away? We're not even going to go there. Urban Meyer is one of the safest coaches in all of college football. Look, man, ever since he took over Ohio State, things have just been humming beautifully. Comes in, wins his first 12 games, then goes and wins the national championship, and, and basically only lost like five or six games in his first five years. All right, this is the first quote unquote bad year for Urban Meyer, and they're seven and two, ranked in the top 15, still with a with a sliver of hope that maybe they could get into the playoffs if if things get really crazy. I don't think they will, but. Let's just kind of rein it in there a little bit. Even if the Buckeyes lose to both Michigan teams and finish 8-4, and four, no one is going to be calling for Urban Meyer's head. I get it. It's been a bad calendar year. But, Bob, he has built up so much good grace with Ohio State, and his career has been nothing short of phenomenal. There is no way you don't give a coach like Urban Meyer a very long you know, sort of leash or slack or whatever you want to say, uh, this is certainly not the beginning of the end for him. I, I, I don't think anyone's going to be pointing the finger at him or, or calling for his head or anytime soon. I didn't think so. I just wanted to check your pulse on that. What about your concerns of him keeping OSU on the dominant level that you just described? 
Well, I, I don't think that that kind of dominance is sustainable. Well, Nick Saban in Alabama might disagree with me, but I don't think that that kind of dominance is sustainable. Now, for starters, let, let's let's not just, you know, Ohio State has been dominant since Jim Trestle back in 2001-2002. I mean, Ohio State's been doing this for 16, 17 years. That brand isn't going away. Urban Meyer's recruiting prowess isn't going away. I, I still think Ohio State's going to be very relevant on the national level, and they could still wind up in a New Year's Six Bowl. Heck, they could still wind up as the Big Ten champions, Bob. They, they still control their own destiny to win the conference. So it, it's not the end of the world for the Buckeyes. It's just the end of the playoffs, probably, because they're going to need a Hail Mary to get into the top four. But uh, no, I mean, I certainly think Urban Meyer and Ohio State can stay at a dominant top 10 level and continue to be contenders for the national championship. I, I don't think that that's going away. I just think this year they're, you know, retooling, re, re, re. you're going to go through years like this eventually in college football. It's just the nature of the game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, we'll have to see how the rest of this year plays out and, and check in on some of the, their rebound performances before we make some extreme judgments again just want to get your pulse on two of those because i think it is worth evaluating at this point um but chris looking at the big 10 in a whole it wasn't just a bad day for ohio state it was a bad day for the conference as penn state also uh, probably heading into this game viewed as the, the number two to ohio state in the conference falling to michigan state 27 to 24 there's now not a, a single team uh in the east that uh has less than two losses uh michigan state michigan ohio state and penn state all two losses um those viewed as the, the four best teams in that conference so now uh wisconsin still is undefeated uh in the opposing division um they seem like the only option in the college football playoff uh do you see any other team in the big 10 east having a viable way into the playoff uh, no, I don't see a viable option for any of these four guys. I will say, though, that Michigan State and Ohio State still have an outside chance because this weekend they're playing for the Big Ten East. The winner controls its own destiny, and, and since they both only have one conference loss, they are the two who have the most viable shot because there's no way any of the, the – only – the only way any of these four teams make it is if they win out, beat with an undefeated Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, and hope that some chaos ensues and that they're eleven and two Big Ten champs and their resume is good enough. That's the only way they're making it. So Michigan State and Ohio State are really the only two teams with that scenario, and that's why this weekend is the last straw for one of them, uh, because it, it, the loser of this this game on Saturday between the Spartans and Buckeyes is definitely eliminated from the picture I don't think Penn State and Michigan have much of a chance because in order for them to get into the Big Ten title game um, Ohio State and Michigan State would have to fall apart a little bit and that kind of hurts their resume because then it makes their wins against them not look as good so uh, I, I think of the four Michigan State and Ohio State have an outside shot but I don't think it's much of one I, I really think Wisconsin is the only hope the Big Ten has at getting a team in the postseason because if they were on the table if they're 13-0 power five champion I, I don't see any scenario where an undefeated power five champion is sitting at home nor do I um, Wisconsin 9-0 and right now and, and they could be 12-0 and uh, in that Big Ten title game Chris uh, Ohio State or Michigan State if they're the East representative 
are, are you picking them to beat Wisconsin? Wisconsin's a tough team to judge because look at their schedule. They they've really played nobody. They they have and that's they, the they biggest have, knock against them. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're not even in the top four right now when they're when they're three in the both polls. Um, I mean, their non conference schedule is a joke. Their their conference schedule has been a joke. They play Iowa this week, which okay, there's a top twenty five team now, and then they play Michigan, who without their quarterback is not the same team. So. I, I don't know. I mean, we said the same thing about Iowa a few years ago, Bob. Remember, we thought Iowa was going to get rolled by Michigan State, and they played a very competitive Big Ten title game. So I'm not just going to write Wisconsin off, but I'm certainly skeptical of them compared to the other four teams in that Big Ten East. I I certainly think that while they might be better than two of them, I I don't know if if they're better than the best team in the East. So it it certainly wouldn't surprise me if they get exposed in the Big Ten title game. And I certainly would probably favor the Big Ten East champion, but Wisconsin's Wisconsin's a good program, and and they certainly have the history with these other schools that they could step up and win the Big Ten. Yeah, uh, you know, if I had to pick just just now, obviously um, we'll get more clarity as Wisconsin faces Iowa, and they all, they do play Michigan, so so we'll see. Um, but if I had to pick right now, I'm I'm picking that East champion be it Michigan State or Ohio State um, just because I've seen them play legitimate teams and, and, and win and play well at, at times um, but yeah Wisconsin is one of those conundrums right now currently undefeated but um, is not getting uh, the respect of some of those other undefeated teams right now but Chris um, past Saturday was big not just for Big Ten but we had some huge conference showdowns uh, across the nation in Big 12 Bedlam Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State was an insane shootout Uh, over 100 points scored Baker Mayfield had almost 500 yards over 500 yards uh, passing um, Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State there Um, and then a couple big ACC games Clemson holding on versus a a tough NC State team and Miami uh, winning big against Virginia Tech. Uh, what do those three games, uh, the results, uh, implicate uh, in the college football playoff landscape? Well, a couple of things. First off, the Big 12 still doesn't play defense. Uh, secondly, Clemson is still a really good team, but they're not as dominant as they had been under Deshaun Watson. Uh, I like NC State. I think they're a really good team. But you've seen Clemson struggle a little bit this year. I don't know if they're going to win the ACC because Miami, I thought, had a statement game. You know, Miami, prior to their win over Virginia Tech, had had an identical resume to Wisconsin, but they beat a very good Virginia Tech team at home, but I I was very impressed by that win by them, and I I think Miami really legitimized themselves, and I, I think they are going to jump a bit in the college football playoff rankings uh, ahead of their huge showdown with Notre Dame this weekend. If they pull off that two-step, I think everyone will be sold on the Hurricanes as being a legitimate playoff contender. Yeah, um, it's been shaping up for Miami. Uh, obviously, they had that early showdown with Florida State uh, when Florida State is having a really down year. But um, so, some some quality wins against Virginia Tech and North Carolina State uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Clemson, though... Uh, yeah, they, they seem to be, I agree with your assessment, without Deshaun Watson, 
they are really talented in all levels of the game, but they just don't have that dominance that they had over the past two years. And um, in that win over North Carolina State, Kelly Bryant, the the Clemson quarterback, was 0 for 10 on passes 15 yards deeper, uh, 15 yards or deeper. So um, it just seems like there's a facet of their game that's missing that they that they used to have uh, in years past. So yeah, I think Miami is poised to take control of the ACC, get some fresh blood up there. Um, yeah, that Bedlam game, Chris, no defense at all. Obviously, um, it's it's really weird that uh, you know you have that going on in the, in the Big Twelve, but just last week, uh, Iowa State beat TCU fourteen to seven. Um, so we'll have to see as Iowa State takes on Oklahoma State and TCU takes on Oklahoma, what's going to give. But um, yeah, it's a crazy game there. Uh, Oklahoma looks poised to 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 possibly be in play for that college football playoff. And, and I agree with you, Miami and Notre Dame, uh, if Miami's able to, to, to beat them after a statement win against Virginia tech, I mean, how can you not view them as one of the four, uh, come the end of the year? So Chris, uh, obviously we're getting some, some shape to the college football playoff who are legit contenders and, and who needs some crazy things to happen. I would put Ohio state, and the Big Ten East in that latter category. Um, we already talked a little bit about Wisconsin being a lock to uh, go to the college football playoff if they are undefeated and a conference champion. Uh, do you agree that Miami would, would do so as well? Absolutely. There are four teams that can do that. Alabama, Georgia, um, Miami, and Wisconsin be undefeated as a Power 5 champ. Obviously, only three of them can because Alabama and Georgia are in the same conference. But bottom line is, if you're an undefeated Power 5 champion, I don't see a scenario where you're sitting at home. It, it, you, 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 you're going to have a strong resume, and I just don't see the committee leaving them off the, the field for even a one-loss team. I, 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 I cannot fathom a scenario where an undefeated Power 5 champion is not playing in the college football playoff. Uh, so I, I think Wisconsin, Miami, Alabama, and Georgia all control their own destiny uh, obviously, only three of them can can do it, but uh, I, I think those four teams are in complete control of their playoff fate. The others, some more solid than others. Uh, obviously, if you have two losses, you need a lot to happen. I'm talking about the one-loss teams here. Um, I, I do think the Big 12 winner will get in as well. I think if Oklahoma wins out, they're definitely in. But, Bob, the Big 12 may have shot itself in the foot adding that conference championship game this year. They, they had... They had thought the last few years that they were at a disadvantage well now this year it might actually put them on a disadvantage making you know their big gun play a two-loss team again uh so so that could be an interesting scenario to watch yeah big 12 can't get it right (laughs) for sure um i agree with that assessment those four undefeated teams i think are in very good control of their destinies and i'd also throw notre dame in there as well um ahead of this big time showdown i find it hard to to leave them out if they end up winning out at miami and at stanford to close out their year as an independent um so yeah there there are still a lot of uh teams in the hunt um i think i counted right before we recorded i i, I saw nine teams that seem to if they win out with with the big matches that are still on their schedule uh they all have legitimate shots to, at the college football playoffs so um, still some big time games uh, to look ahead at and react to. Obviously, there are still going to be some upsets, but we are now 
going to turn away from college football and move up. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame is in very sure footing, even with the loss to Georgia, which was only by one point. They beat Michigan State, USC, NC State, and have Miami and Stanford on the schedule. Bob, that would be a 5-1 and one record against top 25 teams. If they're 11-1, and one, I don't care if they lost to Georgia. Bob, honestly, that'll be an interesting conundrum if Notre Dame and Georgia are both sitting at one loss. Do you reward the 5-1 and run record, or do you zoom in on the 1 as the head-to-head? I don't know what they do in that situation because that is easily the toughest schedule in the nation Notre Dame played. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. Any uh, team that schedules a matchup with Miami versus of Ohio uh, gets a, a knockback <laughs> in strength. No, I agree with you. I mean, in terms of marquee matchups, nobody can really compete with Notre Dame. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, again, I, I said that. I think they're in control of their destiny. I think there are going to be some interesting, you know, last year we had the first kind of, conundrum of the college football playoff when Ohio State leapfrogged Penn State uh, as a non-conference champion to go to the playoff. I think we're going to have some interesting decisions to make uh, this year as well with Notre Dame as an independent, uh, obviously not a conference champion. And then, you know, if Alabama and Georgia are ranked one and two and undefeated in that SEC championship game, well, what, what do you do with the loser there? So interesting decisions on the horizon if everything holds true. Maybe uh, we'll get some clarity uh, with some upsets before those decisions have to be made, though. And don't sleep on one lost Washington quietly there at 8-1. and one. If they went out, they would probably have to beat USC in the Pac-12 title game. Pac-12's not dead yet either, Bob. It, it, it's going to get crazy these last few weeks. Well, for sure. Definitely. And we will be there keeping tabs on all of that. Uh but for now, we're going to turn to some news uh, up in Cleveland. Uh, let's check it on the Cavs, Chris. And things are not going as planned. Now, uh, you and I are pretty uh, tempered when it comes to NBA basketball uh, in the first half, especially in the in 2017. Uh, you know, we'll check in on 2018 and get a real pulse of it. But uh, obviously some, some some bad losses for the Cavs starting off the year, but sandwiched in between that was a historic night for LeBron James, scoring 57 points against the Washington Wizards uh, and, and just winning huge uh, against them, uh, 130 to 122 uh, on ESPN. W- was that needed? Did LeBron put his team on, on the back because they were riding a couple losses to some inferior opponents and the upstart Wizards were coming uh, on the schedule, or was that just LeBron having a night? Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that there was a lot of talk about Kyrie Irving being on a win streak, the Cavs being overrated, the Vultures kind of circling. LeBron's just like, wait a second, the King isn't dead yet. Do you guys remember it's only October? That was as big of a statement win as you're going to get this early in the season because that there's no doubt in my mind LeBron's just like, okay, let me just – Wizards are gnawing at us. People are talking. Let's just remind everyone, I'm still here. I'm still on this team. And news flashed. We've done this every year. We've coasted. Maybe not this much. This is obviously some problems with the Cavs. But look, I I can't take any of their struggles seriously until they stretch into April or, or March or something like that. Because this team, the last three years under LeBron, has just not approached the regular season with any urgency and 
I, I get it. You know, it's it's worse than it's been because they're down Isaiah Thomas. They traded Kyrie Irving. They're assimilating a ton of new faces again. But they still got LeBron James, and as long as they have LeBron James, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I'm not worried now. Um, I This is definitely the worst start that they've had you know, maybe since that first year when he came back before they, they blew up the roster and got JR and Amon and Moskov and he took his sabbatical for two weeks. But um, I'm concerned with the the margin of some of these games and the quality of opponents. I mean, losses to the Nets, the Knicks, the Pacers, and the Hawks starting off the year, um, not ideal. Yeah, this team is, is uber talented and should be able – even as they're assimilating and getting used to each other and even as they're not putting forth maximum effort, they should be able to handle teams like the Nets and the Hawks and the Knicks who you know, are expected to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Um, so I am you know, in the back of my mind just a little bit worried, but um, yeah, having LeBron on the team obviously makes all things easier. I think uh, the Wizards game... You know, you saw some some really good things. Obviously, LeBron being uh, a god amongst men helped, um, but that did translate also to to the Hawks game. Uh, obviously, losing to the Hawks is not ideal. They're in a full rebuild mode, but uh, you saw some some of the roster in the lineup and Dwayne Wade kind of having the best game of his of his uh, season so far, and some of the other players stepping up. I think they'll be fine. Um, it's going to take a, a lot more time than we've seen in years past, and I think the Cavs aren't done making moves to, to improve their team. And obviously Isaiah Thomas's return is on the horizon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're as good or as gelled as they have been in years past where they can coast as much as they want to this year. No, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I don't think they can coast as much as they'd like to. But at the same time, I'm confident that this team is going to come together and turn it around. Uh, it's just, they're just a little more down than normal because when you lose a player like Kyrie, it does hinder your ability to coast. We're not going to deny that Kyrie is an exceptional talent and took some pressure off in those situations, but they still have so much talent on this roster, Bob. I just can't see this being a a significant issue at least until February. You, you got you to at least give it until the turn of the calendar. Yeah. Um, I don't know. As long as they're healthy heading into February, I think they'll be fine. Um, I, even if they are f- floating around 500 at that time, I think they'll be okay. I think they're going to find a way to, to bring in more talent, uh, be it at the trade deadline or earlier, um, and they'll be okay. They'll get things together. I'm not too worried, but... Um, this start definitely highlights the the absence of of Kyrie, and, and obviously having it on the bench doesn't only makes that worse and more apparent. But yeah, I mean Kyrie definitely bailed them out lots of times uh, offensively, um, and and they're missing that right now. No, certainly the lo- not having Isaiah Thomas because he's the guy who's going to fill in for Kyrie Irving, and he's the all star who can uh, is certainly affecting their abilities at this moment but again they're only four and six ten game sample long season i i know it gets old saying that but it's true yeah try to tell people that at work um giving me a lot of 
problems, but um, <laughs> they don't seem to get it. They seem to enjoy giving me giving me the business about that. But I'm not worried. You're not worried. That's all that matters. LeBron's not worried, though he's getting a little upset as seen with uh, that beatdown that he put on the Wizards all by himself. But uh, Chris Brown's. We talked a little bit about their debacle uh, with AJ McCarron. Uh, we both agreed that they lost the bye week, but they're set to uh, resume actual football next week, uh, going to Detroit to take on the Lions. What is your outlook for that game? What are the chances that the Browns get their first win of the year? Zero. I don't see a scenario where the Browns get their first win of the year. You don't see a scenario of where the Browns don't get their first win of the year in week 10 or period? Oh, no, like this week. The rest of the Just season. this week. Okay. This week. They're not beating Detroit. No, that's not happening. They, I mean, if you have anyone on Detroit's offense in fantasy, just start them. <laughs> Especially Matt Stafford. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna shred him. I would. I mean, probably the most desirable piece uh, of fantasy wise would be uh, the Detroit defense because Browns' offense is a debacle. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think the Browns are gonna win this game. I would bet against it, um, and I would bet pretty big uh, against the Browns winning this game. I mean, it's in Detroit too, Bob. Like, <laughs> Detroit. Detroit's a pretty good team. Uh, they might not be an elite team, but they're they're flirting with the playoffs at least. Flirting. That's a lot more than the Browns can say. I mean, Bob. I, I just uh, I can't see them going into Detroit and winning this game. There, there, there's there's just no way. Yeah. I mean, Detroit, they're three and four. Um, obviously, that's three more wins than the Browns have. They're on a three-game losing streak, um, so they were at, at one point three and one. Um, but, they, yeah, they're just in a different class, uh, as are most teams that the Browns face. Uh, I don't see them winning this game. They've got, Matt, they've got Matt Stafford and really good receivers. That's really all you need. Yeah, and a competent defense. <laughs> Well, uh, Brown's making some other uh, n- uh, news uh, a- as well, giving Joe Thomas a raise, making him ensuring that he will be the highest paid offensive lineman uh, in 2018, uh, paying him $3 million more over this year and next year. Uh, Chris, obviously Joe Thomas deserves any raise that the Browns are going to give him, uh, and they should probably double whatever they give him just because he's playing on the Browns, but... Um, just seems odd to me that they would do this when Joe Thomas is on disabled list for, for the rest of the year. Uh, what are you making of this contract ex- or contract raise? It's odd. It's really odd. The guy gets injured for the rest of the year and you give him a raise. That, that doesn't happen in the NFL. So I have no idea what's going on, but I can only speculate that perhaps the rumblings of Joe Thomas's retirement reached the Browns' front office, and perhaps they wanted to incentivize him to stay. I have no idea whether that's true or not, but that's the only conclusion I can draw from this because this doesn't happen in the NFL. When guys get injured, they leverage you to give salary back. They don't throw money at you. So I'm not saying Joe Thomas doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying it's really weird that it's happening given this front office's approach and given the NFL the approach in the NFL in general. Yeah, totally contradictory to what any other franchise would do should their franchise left tackle get landed uh, get landed on the injured reserve for the rest of the year. Um, 
that being said, and we both have just said this, like Joe Thomas is deserving of any money the Browns give them, and the Browns have a huge amount of cap space to give Joe Thomas a raise. Um, just don't know why they did it when he lands on injured reserve for the first time of his career, 10 years into his career. You know, he's well into his 30s. Why not give him a raise when he, uh, you know, broke the, the snap record or, you know, heading into the, the regular season this year? This isn't the first time we've heard rumblings of Joe Thomas's retirement. Uh, probably this has been the loudest just because he's been hurt. But, um, yeah, another head-scratcher for the Browns, not surprising. Yeah, but again, kudos to Joe Thomas because if there's anyone on this team that's earned it, it's him. Oh, for sure. All righty, man. Well, we have wrapped up another episode of Clee Talk here presented by FamilyRoadSports.com. Kind of a downer given the Buckeyes and the Cavs and a funk and the Browns in a continual funk. But hopefully next week everyone will break out of it and everything will be great. Not holding my breath, but we'll see. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. You can listen to all our old episodes of Clay Talk by going to FenleyRoadSports.com. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can either click the icon in the upper right-hand corner of FenleyRoadSports.com or go to iTunes and search Fenley Road Sports. Click Clay Talk. We thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more Cleveland sports coming at you. Hopefully more optimism. But until then, go Buckeyes, go Cavs. I'm going to do it. Come on, Browns. Get a win. Please, get a win. (laughs) All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy, Bob.